just realized my headphones aren't plugged in. Your headphones are plugged in. You just don't yeah, have them on. my head. Yeah, probably which is why you're waving all around the room like a boxer. <laughs> you're the worst. You're the dumbest. You're terrible. Welcome to the Couch Rolls Podcast with your hosts, Dave and Das Bruce. How you doing, man? Not too bad. How about yourself? Doing pretty good, sir. What's new? No, I don't know, dude. It's been crazy. I, first, you get sick on the last show. I've been Our sick for r- like the last like three sh- I think I've been sick since we started the thing four shows ago. Well, Michigan's like one giant plague right now, so that makes sense. Like, There's fevers and flus everywhere. And then it is. I don't know where I start getting sick. I'm like, oh, I think my allergies are kicking up. I take a Claritin. Next day, I wake up, and I'm dead. Dan- Danny Boyle's just going to come here and shoot 28 months later. Yeah. Just not even change anything. He's just like, yeah, yeah, we'll write it around for us. I'm sure, can, I'm sure you can figure it out. We'll write around this. But besides that, dude, being sick, I got to stay home and play a bunch of games. There you go. What you been playing? I'm still like, I'm actually deep into Monster Hunter now. I'm actually liking it. Monster I, Hunter I am, World? Yeah, Monster Hunter World. You talked about, you talked about that uh, last week, didn't you? A little bit. But I actually, I found the sweet spot, I think, of why people like the game. Okay. So I've been playing with a friend of the show, Carl, and... It's weird. It's basically, it feels almost like Shadow Colossus. Like it's, a, it's all about this one big epic fight every time. So it's just a series of these big epic hunts. And what I, like last night, I fought a giant, like, it was a bat with feathers. Yeah. So question for you then. Um, in that case, is Monster Hunter just basically what Shadow of the Colossus was supposed to be? Because... If you remember Shadow of the Colossus, do you remember we had that like special features disc and everything for Shadow of the Colossus and it showed, hey, it was supposed to be an online uh, multiplayer uh, team effort to take down these giant monsters and everything. Yeah, they kind of pitched it as like an early style MMO. Okay, so. But Monster Hunter World, it has an MMO feel in a lot of ways, but what makes this game special is all the different ways you can approach a monster because the monster itself has a lot of different behaviors. Okay. Like, and this, this is a good example. I just randomly started killing like little grunt monsters that were all over the place just to, to, to get bones from them or whatever. I go after my main monster. I know where this T-Rex comes in and just smokes me, completely destroys me. Was the T-Rex a monster that you had to hunt? No. It was just a pissed off monster that I was in his territory and he, it just came after me. That's and, weird. And then it's just they made these really cool vibrant worlds where you just have to fight these these monsters in their own environments and... They made it so the monsters kind of interact with each other and have their own behaviors. Like certain ones, they behave differently if they're in water, if they're in the sun. So it feels like a like actual world that you're just drop. You're in their territory. Oh yeah, I'm. You're totally in their territory, and it's it's crazy. It has such a cool, vibrant feel, and I hated the old ones because of the stupid loading stuff. But the new one, it it's very fluent. Like a little bit of load to get to the actual world itself, but once you're in, it's smooth all the way through. And I, I don't know, dude. I'm I'm totally falling in love with the game now. I'm I'm shocked. Can you get one monster to go attack another monster that you're supposed to take down? You can. And they do massive damage. Really? Uh, well, yeah, because I can get a monster to like I've had it where like there's this raptor that like shines like a solar flare off. And um I had it chasing me down. I ran right into a nest of another monster, and that other monster just de- destroyed it. Really? Oh yeah. And it, it's just really cool to watch these monsters interact, but uh so I was playing yesterday 
and you can use an SOS flare. Basically, if you're you're having a trouble killing a monster, you can just signal for help, and it basically opens up the server to let people get dropped into your mission. Oh, nice. So I'm like, but the problem is you can only, some most missions, you can die three times before you lose the mission. So if they die, it counts against your deaths. Oh, so you got to hope that the people that are dropping in so, are actually legit. So my monster is like near death. I'm out of potions and I'm weak. And then I put the SOS up. Some guy runs in. I'm like, sweet. I got someone to help me. He runs in, gets killed instantly. <laughs> and I get game over. Uh, it, it was a total bust. <laughs> that's, that's. You know, I, I fought that thing for like a half hour. So is it better to actually hunt with people that you know then? Cause... Oh, it, it, it's definitely a game where it's like a squad game where you could go in there with like, like Carl, we were playing, he was using a bow and arrow and I'm totally using a big blunt axe. It's called a switch axe in the game. So I'm in its face and he's kind of set back, but he pulls him away. He distracts him every time I need to like sharpen my blade or I need to heal. Okay. So we can kind of bounce them back in the floor. So there's like weapon decay too then? Oh yeah, there's weapon decay. There's like 14 different weapons. It's it's immaculate, dude. It's a great game. So that's the weird thing between you and me is like you, you play like, oh, this game came out this week. I'm totally on this. Where meanwhile, I'm like, guess what I played? Something I played 20 years ago. Actually, I kind of got it because I lost like a semi bet. Really? How did I, that go down? Basically, I was begged to buy the game to play with Carl and Carl was like, I'm... I, I told him, he's like, oh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. I'm like, you know what? I will buy it if two publishers say it's higher than a nine. Oh, that's right. And totally did. No, I remember because yeah, you were, you were super Informer skeptical. Both burned me on it. You were super skeptical on that. I had every right to be. The beta was okay. It didn't really pull me in because that game is a really hard game to just fall into and love. You have to earn it. I feel like that it did so well on, was it 3DS? Was um, Monster Hunter, oh, what was that? They had, they had four, right? They had three and four on three there, and then they also had Monster Hunter stories. But those games are junk compared to. But worlds. when you go and when you go, hey, here's a portable version of this game, and people go, oh my god, portable is great. They learn to love that, and then when they go, wait, there's a bigger console version, and you got to understand those portables were even better than probably the PlayStation Two versions of those games because there was uh, one and two on PlayStation Two. I think there was only the one on PlayStation 2, and the other one was on PSP. It was called Monster Hunter Freedom. I, I'm not I'm not exact, but I had Monster Hunter Freedom for PSP. Okay. So there's been a couple different renditions of it, but I have Monster Hunter 4 and 3, and they're okay, but I, I just couldn't get into them because the loading kills me, and then there's just a lot of little things. I didn't like a lot of system things in the game that I just didn't care for. But everything's kind of been tweaked out over this? Yeah, what they did is they expanded the world, they made it look better, it loads faster, and I keep emphasizing the loading thing because yeah, it is huge. I mean, you're talking minutes. Because what it did, it'll bring up a map, and there's like 7 to 11 different sections of the map. Every time you go between a section, it loads. And sometimes you'll chase after a monster through a whole section and do nothing. And, okay. it, and it's just loading after loading, and it, it's just it's stupid. But this new game, it just fills and feet. It it just it fills the out the world in a way where you're always really ambitious and you're really always after the monster. And I love it. And like I, I definitely want you to try the game at some point because I think you'll like it because it's a game that's I, I I would say it's easy to play as far as you can go and swing in with whatever weapon you want. But when you you don't really level up, you get better gear. But your skill is how you beat the monsters. So the mastery is in the skill then. Yeah. And okay. I think you'd really get into that. But we should really talk about what the show was really going to be about being our fifth episode and all. All right. Dude, it's our, it's our fifth episode. We got we to gotta throw down a list. 
Every, every good podcast has a list. You see, I was very hesitant for us to do this because I'm like, this feels like a cheap out and everything. But then um, you pointed out the fact that you, you and I have very distinctive games, but then there were games that we kind of came together on. And that's kind of how we grew our friendship because we, I think we really bonded over, what was it? Fifth or sixth generation? I, I would say the sixth and seventh generation, and which seventh. is the Xbox and PlayStation 2, yep, and then the you, Xbox 360 and you, the PS3. You had the PlayStation 2 at the time. I had the uh, original Xbox, and then we started being like, oh, here's good games on these. Because we really bonded, I think, for that generation, Mercenaries, the first Mercenaries yeah, Merc- game. Yep, Mercenaries was definitely one of them. We played the crap out of some Mercenaries, which is way underrated. I never really got into the other uh, what was it second one was world in flames i think yeah it's weird that to love a game and not play it sequel at all it didn't feel right it just didn't feel right and i think was it uh was pandemic still on there because pandemic was i believe the company that put that out and pandemic we both liked because of uh star wars battlefront i i would say the real like sequel to that ended up being uh what red faction gorilla oh yeah it was kind of like the next generation along with the uh, another sandbox but dude let's just let's get right to this list because i i think it's going to be a really good way for our listeners to actually hear about the games that we love and it's going to really help them see like what what we like about those games it's going to kind of show our personality through the games that we love all right well you specifically said you wanted to keep it to like a top five thing which i'm i'm teetering on some of my picks because there's some stuff that i could go dude they're, they're there's there's silly lists i mean if you really think about it we obviously love more than five games but i kind of just wanted to bring up like at least five games that could really point out things that you may not even know about me that of reasons why i love a game like to say i'll start with resident evil i absolutely loved resident evil one that game was huge for me now remake or original or director's cut because there's that <laughs> dual shock director's yep. cut and see the first time i played it i actually played the long boxed version the original one before the director's cut where they didn't have any blood in it wasn't it like green blood though or was that for I, the director's what? cut it, it's been so long since i played that one i'm not even sure but i i guess it's fair to say that if i had to pick a top one it's definitely the remake i, I really love that they they took the game that Let's face it, Resident Evil 1 aged horribly. The original one on PlayStation, it aged really terribly. But by putting it on GameCube, adding some more content, adding self-defense, and then adding the red-headed zombies... Oh, I the mean, Crimson that, Heads? Oh, the Crimson come Heads. Back if you don't destroy them? That completely changed that game because it went from just capping zombies, moving through this mansion, to, hey, wait a minute, I should probably go back and burn that one and burn that one. What room was that one in? Because I forgot, and two hours later, it's going to murder me. See, were they really that much harder of a difficulty? Yeah. Okay, and then tell me, did they, for the GameCube one, did they change up the tank controls on that, or was that for the PlayStation 4 version? What tank controls? Tank controls is the where you push forward to move forward. Oh, yeah. They they, they they switched it on GameCube as well. Okay. I the the GameCube controls GameCube. and the PlayStation 4 controls are the same. I, I tried to play the uh, I tried to play it on PlayStation 4 and I saw that they had the different control scheme. And I remember uh, anytime that I played any of the Resident Evils, I was always preferred on the tank controls because it was the whole cinematic thing. Because it's like yep. when you enter a room, what direction are you facing? And you kind of orientate yourself. Plus, that added way much, way, yeah, way much more. Way much more is a word now. Way much more to the horror because of the uh, angles. Because it goes, okay, you have to quick assess a room, see where you're at. Because I loved uh, Resident Evil 3. That was the first one I got yep. into for that series. And I just think, like, when I first got that game... Why I, the first one, though? Well, 
not only was it my first experience with it, you know, I was what that was in ninety seven. That was at a point in my life where I liked scary movies. I was I was a young kid. That first time, like where you the creaking stair cinema into the rooms, and I just felt like what the first game had that the other ones still haven't not had is the mansion felt like a character to the game. And that character really I really like what the mansion brought to the atmosphere. Like the police station didn't do anything for me in the second one. Police station didn't do anything for me either. And then the third one, Nemesis was great. I, I still like Nemesis, but I just didn't feel like the story didn't hold up really at all. See, my whole thing was the open city because, like, I was playing that. Uh, I got in that late, so like probably early two thousands. So like twenty eight days later, I was getting into like you know Romero stuff really hard. Yep. So the idea of a city instead of just a one single location yep. was nice to me. Plus the idea of anytime that you had an interaction with a survivor. That was where you were getting fed your story. Yep. Which kind of leads into the whole uh, absence of anything and you yep. truly feeling alone. And see, I, I feel the opposite because of like, I love Alien. The first, if you think of like Alien, they're all secluded in a very small, tight area where they have nowhere to go. What they did in Resident Evil 1, which was probably one of their better tr- ideas, is you try to go out the front door when you first start the game and there are dogs. Oh, that's right. And they make you feel like you are trapped. Yeah. And that is by far the best thing that game did from the start because it, it immediately felt made you feel like you had to go forward. So, you know, Open City, I feel like, oh, if I could just jump over that car, I could go whatever direction I want. Like invisible walls seem like there, but that's more the obvious. Thing. They did where, you know, stuff was crashed in front of the way. And the yeah. only way out for the city for Resident Evil 3 was the train. And you go, OK, well, how do I beat this? I have to find a uh, hose, some like, you know, wires, a uh, lever, and it was fantastic. And I, I like that idea of like being alone and then slowly gaining power, you know, where like you get the better weapons, you learn how to craft, you learn the rules of the world, which is kind of, I'm going to jump into one of my games then, Symphony of the Night. Symphony of the Night, see, Castlevania Symphony of the Night had that whole thing where uh, you would occasionally come across one character that would talk to you, but it's this big, empty, giant castle that you are free to discover. And like Resident Evil, you'd come back to certain areas. And now that you've got, you know, now you got that stupid crank, you can now progress. <laughs> you know what I mean? Octo- octagonal crank. Octagonal crank. Okay. Hexagonal, crank. Hexagonal or octagonal, which crank you want. That mansion designer was a genius. Right? <laughs> hey. You got to play Moonlight Sonata on the piano. <laughs> Love Moonlight Sonata. But uh, Symphony of the Night was really fun because it was one of those things where you would go and kind of learn stuff. And I I really wanted to put Super Metroid there. Yeah, I, I had to ask because I, personally, I have I have the only Metroid experience I have is Metroid Fusions. I really think you would benefit <laughs> from playing uh, Super Metroid or Metroid 3 or but why, why Castlevania it. over Metroid then I, since they're both Metro Metroidvanias exactly <laughs> um I want to say it's specifically because the score the score the score because you got that CD quality sound from the PlayStation that you didn't get from cartridges yeah don't get me wrong some of the best scores are from yeah people love their games. their cartridge scores like Donkey Kong Country is hands down one of the best you know, I hear that a lot, actually. Like, people actually really like Donkey Kong, and 
I personally I don't get it, but I think it's because I went from Sega to Dreamcast or Sega to Saturn to Dreamcast. So you went I, from I, crap sound. Yeah, I, I, I basically I, I pretty much sat with crap sound until I got a PlayStation. You see, <sighs> see the Super Nintendo stuff. Like uh, people are really into it, but like I love the Final Fantasy stuff. I don't think the Final Fantasy stuff on cartridge is even close to as good as the stuff on PlayStation. I will say this one cool thing. Um, so Final Fantasy, you know, they w- went to CD for seven and everything. And that was uh, really cool because they started doing orchestral things. Yep. Or that is that the orchestrated orchestrated orchestral. No, I'm making up words. It's going to work. Um, and one of the main things was I got to go see uh, distant worlds, that final fantasy live orchestra stuff. Yep. And what was really cool about that was when they did Final Fantasy three on Super Nintendo. Yeah, oh, where they, they they remastered all Maria the music. Draco, yep. and they did actual opera singers. Yeah, because it's that eight bit chip tune of like you could tell they were trying to make it sound like they were singing the words for the opera, which was really cool. And then I think it was like I think like 10, 20 years later. But so that kind of music. So you really liked it in the Castlevania setting of the, having that sound, and I, I and I think like Vampire Hunter D, and there were a lot of other, and even that the Castlevania on Netflix too. right now. I mean, the oh, music is really fantastic, good. and it has that ominous tone to it. It was, and uh, the weird thing about that time period was I was also getting into anime back then because it was I started working around the I think I started working at the video store around then. So, like, we had our small little anime section, and yep. I, you had stuff like Vampire Hunter D. You had this very, you know, I mean, it was all Japanese influence because it's all anime. Demons and vampires Demons and, and all, vampires all, all sorts of stuff. Yep. Neo Tokyo, all that oh, fun yeah. stuff. So, you would go and you'd watch this, and you're like, oh, this is really cool. This is really great. The animation's fantastic. And the animation got so much better from the Super Nintendo to the PlayStation. You had this fluid animation, you had particle effects. So, like, you would cast a spell in Castlevania. Where you go and anytime that like you'd slash someone with a sword and the blood would land on you, if you had that special activated, you'd actually get health back. So there was a whole point to every single pixel that's happening on the screen. It was absolutely wonderful. And see, when you bring up music, it really makes me think of my next one, which is Bioshock. Ooh. Now, Bioshock not only had an amazing story, it had a, a beautiful like atmosphere. Uh, the whole the whole idea of Rapture was amazing. It looked amazing like but what i think set it over the top was that sweet like old sound that they used and i mean even i even have the vinyl for it but listening to that 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 old sound just blended um, perfectly with that atmosphere you bought like every single collector's edition and that that's that uh 360 too that was like a 360 must have i think that was exclusive to 360 it, it was for the first like two years yeah, and then they did a um, one and two on like a compilation disc for. No, they just released the first one. They really? Yeah, I they thought w- that they put the second one on there. No, I they was, uh... they. I watched like the developer um, commentary for it that was on the new special edition that they released for PS4. And what they had to do is they had to go back because remember at the time PlayStation Three had that weird engine. They had to kind of go back and remix the game to make it work on that engine, and it the, the graphics did look better. So that slight delay may have helped it a little bit, but it was definitely a 360. I mean, that really propelled the 360 forward, I think, along with all their other exclusives at the time. I'm going to Kanye your game for a second real quick, and I got to say that Bioshock had hands down one of the best intro sequences ever. (laughs) No, that plane crash and everything? Yeah. 
if anyone has played that or has not played that, it's literally the first minute of the game. But there's so much told to you as a character without having to go anything. Because he's sitting on that plane. You're sitting there smoking a cigarette on the plane, right? You're looking in the box and everything. The yep. box has a symbol on it. And I think I think he pulls a gun out of the box too, right? It's been so Does long he? since I've seen that beginning. I don't, I don't remember. All I remember is like... He pulls out a picture. He pulls out something that's significant later on down the road. But you go and you look at it and you see the tattoo on your wrist. It's got that... Uh, little chain or cross pattern or whatever infinite sign yeah you have you have a thing on there but because you never actually it doesn't break away from the camera it's like um half-life it never breaks away from the camera but you go and you see that and he says a line and it sets the mood the tone the decade you're like why is he smoking on a plane you can't smoke on a plane nowadays okay this is kind of older and then that plane crashes in the ocean and i'm not kidding i've played it multiple times through and i've gone and just watched every single thing that's sinking from the crash try doing it on the playstation 4 because the the water looks better oh. and the fire looks better Ooh! if that if that ever sells you on that game that'd be that that, that would but when i think more about that game now to my to what i can recall is then that, isn't that really the first game that really emphasized decision making as far as good versus evil because i i'm trying to think of, out of my game history I don't remember too many non-RPGs, I would say, that don't let you, that have you make a decision like that, that actually alters the game. There's always been things here or there, but I think that's one of the first ones that had an impact, because it had three different endings, if I remember I mean, correctly. Okay, here's the question. What did you do with the very first little sister on the very first playthrough? Did you Saved. Save? I saved them all. And see, I, I feel like that's a, that's a trait, because I killed mine. Yeah, of course you would. Exactly. You're a fucking monster. <laughs> but it's just one of those things where I thought I was like, it benefits me now. And I and I see at the time I was like, I'm in this creepy atmosphere. I just saw a big daddy destroy uh, some like zombie guy. Like I was I was so into that and I was like, I need to get as strong as I can. Can you talk about the shadowing on that too? Yep. But so but this the fact that you saved your little sisters and I didn't, I mean those that Here's, I just don't see that ever happening in a game before Bioshock. The tone. The tone is what was so good about it. And the tone inspired, I think, empathy. Because it wasn't... You see, you were like, oh, I'm scared. There's lots of crazy stuff happening on. I need what's going to help me. Where me, I'm like, oh, man, this 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 poor little girl. This sucks. I'm going to try to help them Pussy. get out of here. Whatever. <laughs> Only the strong survive. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? Totally still beat the game. But did you beat it on the brass balls difficulty? I don't remember what difficulty I broke and I beat on <laughs> broken brass balls. But I don't know that that game was incredible, and I, I can never say enough good things about it. And I've gone back and replayed the whole franchise several times. The environment, times. the environment's fantastic. The different abilities that you have, because uh, every ability actually felt legit. Like when you get the uh, what is it telekinesis. And people are shooting grenades at you and you just catch them and whip them back at them or where you can go and shock the water on the ground. Yeah, yeah, the trapping system was cool. Or where you use fire to go and melt uh, ice to get through doorways and everything. It had kind of that uh, Castlevania Metroid vibe and everything and kind of did something different with that. Yeah, I just... I don't know. And I was happy to see that. Although people didn't like the second one, I loved the second one because I felt like it still had a lot of the same 
the same parts that I loved about the first one. The story didn't hold up as high, but I felt like what balanced that was at a weaker story, but it had that amazing multiplayer. See, I'm never, I'm never a fan of sequels. Uh, yeah, exception, exception. Go to my list. Uh, How about Left 4 Dead 2? I was going to say, okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I was going to say something else, but all right. Uh, yes, there's, there's about two, two to three sequels. I'll say Tony Hawk got better with time yeah. for the most part till it dropped uh, off. Um, <laughs> Left for Dead two for sure, but yeah. the reason why I Left for Dead two because us being mainly console gamers, uh, Left for Dead two eventually took and just ate up everything from Left for Dead one. So if you had the collector's edition, all the DLC, all that stuff, by the time you got done collecting everything for Left for Dead two. You had all of Left 4 Dead 1, all of Left 4 Dead 2, and like a mega super game. Well, if you think about what you were just talking about earlier, Left 4 Dead, the reasons I liked Resident Evil, or yeah, Resident Evil, think of the things you said about Resident Evil. That fits Left 4 Dead perfectly. How so? Well, you have that big open world where you can, you, you feel like you're empty, you're in a big empty world. You you are. Yeah. I You, you very much had that atmosphere. And, you know, I think that felt, and then even like what you were saying about Castlevania, like how you get better, you get better guns as you're progressing through each level in Left 4 Dead. Yeah. All those rooms, your guns are slowly improving. The main thing that I like about Left 4 Dead was it was the very slight touches of diversity with teamwork. Because like, you'd always go with like a machine gun. I never saw the point. Well, the second game I got, it was all melee all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but I never got the point of uh machine gun, you know? It's like, great, you're putting bullets into them, but like when you're playing like hardcore mode and everything, unless you're aiming for heads, that doesn't do you any good. Shotgun. The shotgun was the nice spread shot where you can put enough power to like push them back, knock them down and everything. So I was always a shotgun guy because I always felt like that reloaded faster too, but... Like certain people would pick machine guns, certain people would pick shotgun. And then, you know, you got melee for the second game. You have different specialty weapons. The idea of what can I take that's going to be good for the group? Because when that tank comes and you're like, I didn't have a health pack, but guess what? Here's some fire shots for everyone or here's some explosive shots. And something that really stood out to me about that game was I think that's one of the few games I played where I felt like every time I played it, it was a new experience. It did. Like, I know now with like Fortnite and a lot of the other big games that are out there, you get that all the time. But at that time on 360, online play was still kind of, it didn't happen that often. That but game, when it did, it was very much, Halo was always the same combat over and over again. But with that game, not only did the engine kind of make you play a little different on when it activated the tanks and the rain and things like that, but it also, it just made me feel like who you played with it was a huge difference because sometimes if you played with AI, they'd just walk in front of your gun and you'd, you'd miss shots all the time. But if you had played with someone that was really good at the game, you were like on a direct path. You knew what you were doing. You'd kill the, the witches. Oh, man. It, like I would play with because I was still working like a weird third shift job at that time. So yeah. when I get out at like ass early in the morning, we would go and we'd uh, throw down and I'm playing with a bunch of Brits. Yep. And man, I had like a squad of like me and like three dudes from the UK and we would just like... We would play the versus mode. The versus mode was great too. You no, know, and I didn't even think of that. I, I mean, mean, I mean, they're really, they already had a really great game, but on top of that, they're like, well, now you have that really mixed gameplay on both sides. Yep. And you would go and play as random characters because you'd always want a specific monster when you're playing. 
yeah, infected. I, and you're I, like, I always wanted a smoker. Oh, was, dude, smoker was it, great. It, just, it bothered me that I was never good with the smoker because I never got to be the smoker enough. Boomer was always great, too, later on down the road because you could go and like just figure out, like, you have to sacrifice yourself as that. Or the uh, jockey where you grab people and just drag them off the ledge. I was always terrible with the charger, too. Like, the charger, it was like, it was almost like a kamikaze thing where you have one shot. If you miss it, oh, you're you're on fire, you're killed. But if you get them in a small group and you can knock a bunch of them down. Oh, yeah, he was sweet. If and you then a boomer right. just comes in and coordinating those team attacks where you know that it was, what's your threat assess? Because boomers would never cap you. You couldn't get tackled by them. Also, the whole teamwork of when you got like taken down and capped by someone and kept incapacitated when I say capped. Yeah. Uh, you had to go and have someone come pick you up. And if they didn't come pick you up, that that was it. But you also needed to protect the person that's trying to pick you up. So it's this. I'm going to get you up because having an extra body means I'm less likely to get hit. Yeah. And Selfish then, people usually didn't survive very well in that game because no. especially when you get down to that that clutch last guy that's just frantically running, he gets so far and then suddenly there's like two witches and a tank in front of him. Oh, you're dead. Yep. <laughs> the game. And it's, you, you should have stuck with the group. Or there's also the point then where you go, hey, do I just leave the group and bail out? You know? But I always hated like sometimes the AI was just terrible. I, I don't know. As much as I, I love playing with people online, sometimes the AI would just always get in your way or activate a witch. Yeah. Or just do something stupid. So yeah. that was like the one little downside it was to it. Better, it was better played with friends. But you're more of a solo play person anyways. I'm actually going to use this because I now that I can see your list, yeah. I'm going to go in here. Because <laughs> speaking of Valve games then, one yep. of the games on your list. Portal 2. Portal 2, great game. Which was actually one of our big games that we bonded over early on when we lived together. In that generation, yep. man. That you, love generation. you love puzzle games. I do. And I, I, I guess, I'm, personally, I'm pretty open to any genre of game. I, I don't, uh, military shooters are probably the one thing I don't like. Maybe sports games. depend. Like I, I can play a sports game, but I don't love them. There's not enough variety in those genres, I feel. Yeah. We're like, puzzle, puzzle genre is kind of interesting because, I mean... Portal is a puzzle game, but it's a first-person shooter, too. Oh, yeah. They totally, like... I know the first one was kind of, like, lightning struck, but it struck twice because that second game was everything the first game was, but better. Why Portal 2, then, opposed to Portal 1? I mean, you can easily say because Portal 1 was, like, a quick five-hour game. It, it kind of felt almost like a long demo because you kind of blew through it. You didn't have a lot of, didn't like, variation in what you did. Yeah, I mean, you just did test chambers. The second one really expanded on that by not only adding more story by having uh wheatley but they also expanded on it by making you feel like you could actually escape by going outside the the test chambers and then adding the variation and different mechanics that you use i absolutely love the 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 orange that makes you bounce oh the gels yeah the gels the gels are fantastic and then of course all the lemon stuff didn't the orange make you go fast and blue made you bounce yeah Get your stuff right. Otherwise, we're going to have to be doing corrections <laughs> all next episode. Well, that's what you're here for. Man. You you know Portal just as well as I do. You've I'm played it keep, plenty. I'm not going to keep track of all that. But, I mean, the Cave Johnson stuff, I mean, iconic. Cave Johnson is a genius character for just jokes in general. But, I mean, and they laid it. It was so subtle through the whole game, too. That, that's what I loved about the humor of the game. It wasn't in your face, like, trying to make you laugh. But there would just be random jokes. Like, it would talk about, like, oh, in this chest chamber, this happens, you know? Oh, the, like, <laughs> mantis men. 
Yep. And, you know, they would just like subtly bring up these like kind of funny things, but they weren't like, hey, listen, this happened or this happened. Like they would just be in the background. Like there'd be posters, hilarious posters that they would not put in your face. Like they'd be on a sidewall that, I mean, it was just a little bit more attention to detail, but all those things just made this perfect game. And then on top of that, the co-op. The co-op I mean, was good. By far, I, I still say that that's still the best co-op game that the last few generations have had. There's really? An, oh, yeah. There's no game that makes you work with another play, player as much as that game does. Or you can be a dick to the other player. You can, but then you, you go nowhere. Exactly. But there aren't a lot of games like that right now that were, hey, you want to come over and play a game? That, that game forces you to play in sync the whole time. You can't play your own ways. You have to play it together. And I think Overcooked is the only other game that I can even think of off the top of my head that's like that. How is Overcooked, anyways? Have you thrown that down much? Oh, yeah. Me and the wife have played it a few times. And Overcooked is it's a surprise like indie game where you have to work together to run a kitchen. See, Portal Portal is a good, uh, I would say, couples game, actually, because I played that with a significant other. And Depends on how good your couple is with uh, those analog sticks. No, you know, that's <laughs> the wonderful thing, though, about Portal is... Portal 1, in my opinion, is also a teaching game. So anyone who's yep. never played a first-person shooter, it's you have those combat elements, but it's not stressful. So you learn how to work both analog sticks. You learn how to play current games. It's such a wonderful learning device. And I would actually say the same about the second one, because the second one, my wife doesn't play with it. She doesn't play newer console games, and she definitely doesn't play first-person shooters. But the fact that you have that game... The first chambers teach you those in a slow, a slow, like fashion. Each chamber bringing up a new part of the game and offering a subtle like action. Well, it gets to a point where it's the last set. Remember, we even got stuck on one of the test chambers, and it was really just hard to figure out. Well, me and my wife got there, and not only is it hard to figure out, but then you have someone that can't both be like jumped into the air and then control something and do something and then land like she's a one step at a time kind of player so i we ran into a part where basically she had to like really learn and know the mechanics of the game and we kind of got stuck but ultimately it does teach you and usually if there's one player that's at least skilled with controls better i never really felt like they went off too much on that. No. If you at least had one, like if you could make the jump and the shot and needed to, you would do it. And I, I love games that kind of do that because you're, you're able to go and play with someone who's not even very good. Uh, one. Okay. All right, fine. I'll get to that. He's pointing at stuff on the paper. <laughs> yes. Uh, I will say one game that is terrible for co-op but I love as a single player game. <laughs> Dude, that game is awful with co-op. Splunky. I know I've talked about it multiple times. I bet you it wouldn't suck as bad if it wasn't with people who sucked at it. No, it's just, I don't know, man. Are people really that bad at it? I'm pretty terrible at Splunky. Everyone keeps telling me I'm like surprisingly good at it. You are surprisingly and good at it. It's it's not that hard to do, though. Everyone talks about like hard games. They're like, oh, what is it? Um... Dark Souls and yep. that, and I'm like... Those, those are very different yeah, no, monsters, but I mean, how you play that game, though, I think a lot of that comes back from some of your early Super Nintendo skills you as well, because so? you have to remember, I didn't play a lot of those old platformers, so I, I feel like that some of those skills are just not there. Like Mega Man, I'm terrible at Mega Man games, and I didn't start playing Mega Man until Mega Man 7 on PlayStation. Ugh. 
I mean, so it wasn't the greatest spot to start playing them, but I went back and played the collections. I didn't beat any of them. I got far in all of them. They're but I couldn't, hard. I, oh, they're very hard. But then when I play, when you're like, oh, Spelunky is the greatest game ever, I'm playing it. I can get to like the jungle. And then I was like, oh, I finally made it up to the snow area. And then I'm just no good again. Once but, you once you get past that, I, I enjoy how that game was sectioned off. I actually watched a documentary about that recently. Of course you did. Well... You love the game. I, I'm not surprised. The guy who created it did such a phenomenal job. There's so much love and care that was put into that. Um, just so much appreciation because it's the perfect amount of procedurally generated while it's the perfect amount of just basic normal pathfinding. And see, I guess you will you will never in that game if you are out of equipment you will always at least be able to find your way to the exit, so to speak. Well, so you don't have a rope. No. Then you're screwed. No, there, there, there's no point. The, there is always one pathway from the start of the level to the end. It's when you sidetrack and detour yourself. It's only when you screw yourself over. In oh, that yeah. Game. That's what I'm talking about. I've used bombs, created a hole. Well, well I'm not leaving now because I don't have a rope. Yeah, well, uh, you should have thought of that before you went down there then. And, and I guess I think that game, I, I've gotten too used to games at least helping you out a little bit in the beginning, that game literally throws you in a gauntlet where everything kills you. Well, that's one of the few games, too, that I think teaches you subtle things, but through friends. Like, the only reason why I know about some of the secrets and stuff is because a friend of the show, Kyle, guy who does intros, um, went and told me about, like, the worm thing. I did not know about that at all and thought that was super weird. And it's one of those games where... It's like being on the playground again, where you learn about stuff by talking to people. I suppose. And I, that's so weird to have in this like overly digital, overly shared, overly internet age. Well, you could just watch people stream it and you'd figure all those things out too. Yeah, but I'm good on that. I don't watch streams. I know you don't, but I, I feel like that's a big part of like what happens now, especially because that game, people love speed running that game. I mean, that is a huge speed running game. Except for, except for Kobo. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I don't know. I'm just, it's Spelunky is just not for me. No matter how many times I try to get into it, I, I think that that play style is just, I'm, I'm too impatient. I think that's a big part of it. I try to make really risky jumps when I shouldn't be. And I don't explore some of the, the various tools. You got to take your the time. The tools are it. the big thing I don't do. Like there's so many things I, I'm comfortable trying, but I like the cape. I don't use the cape enough. And then when I get the cape, I die. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I always die with that jet stupid Jetpack, man. Jetpack is where it's at. I've never even had the jetpack. Jetpack is so good. Once you get the jetpack, you're like, I don't need ropes no more. I, I love that game. I, you know, I, I think maybe I'm curious because I think I've discovered everything on that game myself. I think I could actually probably watch some streamers other than. Oh, yeah. I think, I I think there's like two people that stream that I watch because friend of the show, Ned, also streams. Yep. And. I don't know, like, it seems like a fun one to watch. Like, I've watched you play plenty of times, and I've watched your replays from your dailies. Oh, I love and doing the daily challenge. Plus the daily challenge where everyone gets the same map and the same layout and the same everything, and it's just a matter of can you do better than your friends? And I, I don't deny that that game isn't good, because I, I think it's it's well-designed. I really like that there's so much to, to you, you, you find through discovery. But I, I don't know. I, it's just not for me, and I'm okay with it. But right, well, I, I guess my next game is Goldeneye. Everyone loves Goldeneye. Such an awkward thing to put on the list because I didn't really know you during the N sixty four thing, you know. No, and that was yep, that was a little bit before you because that was 
for me, that was right before high school. I mean, I mean, because we went high school 2000. So, and that game came out in what, 98, 99? Yeah, it came out, what is that? If I remember correctly, it came out like after the movie by like a year. Like it, you it mean was that a- movie I never saw? Wait, what? <laughs> I've never seen Goldeneye. How the fuck have you never seen Goldeneye? Because I love the game so much. Why would I see the movie? You've never, <laughs> wait, you've never, oh my God. Okay. No, hold on. I, I, I was raised by, by parents who didn't like the the James Bond movies. Why Bond movies are the best, man? No, the first when, one I liked was, was, it? was Casino it? You remember, Royale. You remember? Was it uh, TBS? I think used to do their um, their Bond marathons. Bond marathons. Oh, yeah. love those! I, but no, I never saw any of them. The first one I saw was Casino Royale, and not until college did I actually go back and watch some of the older ones. Oh, and man. I didn't like them. Really? No, especially because once you see like Casino Royale and stuff. The the style is the so gritty much, reboot. Yeah, I mean it's so different. Trying to go back and I don't know. So it's really it's one of the biggest licensed games ever, and I have not seen the movie for it. So have you played the game from Russia with love? No, no. Okay, but I mean, Golden Eye. It was before us, but what what it was for me, it was it was a really great game where it was the I just wanted to hang out with my friends to play that game. Like we would constantly meet up to play Golden Eye. GoldenEye was that four-player game where you just go, like, we play Facility with Proximity Mines. It was one of the best experiences every time because I remembered all the respawn spots and I put mines at all the start spots every time. See, that game is only really fun when you got four people, though, in my opinion. It's it's good for playing multiplayer. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, 64 was great for that. That's boring with two people. I liked Perfect Dark better. You know, and... Because you at least could play like counter ops or you could do two player co-op story. And I I mean, that was the better version of it, in my opinion. Yeah. And Perfect Dark may have been better for two player, but I really liked, obviously you're going to like that, but I liked the single player back again. I liked playing single player games. That game gave you like 20 levels. And what the things I remember most fondly is getting the codes. You had to bust your ass in that game to get some of the paintball mode. No, Inferno mode where you're on fire all the time or in, uh what was it unlimited ammo was so hard to get there'd be one way oh yeah you have to be aztec the biggest level you have to do it in four and a half minutes it is so hard in golden gun mode i mean getting all those cheat codes it just made the game infinitely better and it had a lot of replay value because of those codes and trying to get those codes i mean that was really like nintendo's first achievements kind of thing like it, it felt like there was there was a gravity to how you played the game every time you replayed it so I, I lo- absolutely love that. And then to have my friends over, would all use rocket launchers and it basically like lag the game because there's so many explosions. Uh, you need the expansion pack then. Right. <laughs> See, and okay. So when I had friends over and everything, we'd always get like one or two people at a time because we always had like the kid that wouldn't finish his homework or something. <laughs> so you only, no, so like you'd only have like one or two people at a time. So if we were doing multiplayer games, we would try to do 64 and stuff. Uh, but you would not, we do tournament fighters for the most part, waiting for someone. Cause someone could just come over because people would show up at each other's houses just randomly. So what are you doing? Uh, play Mortal Kombat. Cool. Uh, I got next, you know, and you do that sort of thing. But when you have that, like only like one or two friends over and you're not doing the four player multiplayer, one of my games on my list that we'd always throw down is freaking streets of rage Two. I <laughs> love streets of rage Two, And I wasn't a Genesis kid growing up. So I'd always have to go over to a friend's house to play oh, that. Okay. And that was because I always thought that that was better than what was it? Final Fight was the uh, <laughs> Nintendo equivalent. Final yep. Fight was terrible. It, it was terrible. But see, I was a Sega kid. 
And I just couldn't get into Streets of Rage because I loved Golden Axe. Golden and, Axe. I mean, they, they were really similar. No, but Golden Axe Golden was right theme, in there. Yeah, the, the theme, I, I just liked the theme better. You liked I liked that fantasy because you were yep. getting right. Because that, you know what? That makes sense. Because if you were liking Golden Axe, then that would lead you right into your whole Final Fantasy stuff. Right? Uh, uh, of course. But I know the, the beat em up, I mean, beat em ups were huge for Super Nintendo and Sega. You and your JRPGs. It, <laughs> I love them. I can't help it. But we're still on your game, Bruce. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Well, on that subject then. Uh, did you ever play uh, Fighting Force? Yeah, the, I played it for PlayStation. Yes, Fighting Force felt uh, like a true sequel to not Final Fight. Yeah, Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage. I was gonna call it by its Japanese <laughs> name because I actually looked up the history of all of this too. I actually, of you did. Well, I would collect games, and that was part of the collecting for me was knowing the history of the companies. So uh, overseas, um, Streets of Rage was called Bare Knuckle. And Bare Knuckle 4 was actually supposed to be Fighting Force. And then when everything kind of collapsed on that game, because they never got a fourth game out, man. No, they, the, well, even, was it the third one even released or was it just Sega Channel? Nope. Third one came out here. You're thinking Golden Axe. Golden oh, Axe. Oh, yeah. Golden Axe 3. Four. Was it four? I think it was four was released on Sega Channel exclusive. <laughs> No, them, them I'm not positive, man. but them beat em ups were good though. Yeah, beat em ups. I mean, they were they were in their their prime then. I mean, think of like the Ninja Turtle games oh. and the X Men games. Yep. I mean, and the, like we talked in the last show, a lot of the superhero games they pretty much made every superhero into a beat em up game. It's funny because like all those were usually Capcom too. Yeah, but for some reason, Golden Axe and even Streets of Rage. I, I remember Streets of Rage because that was probably one of the first beat 'em ups I ever played, besides the Ninja Turtle game. That game is still carried on like a bootleg legacy because people figured out that game engine. They found that game engine, and there's so many mods and ROMs and hacks for that game that you can actually download. Because people will go and make their own version. Because the engine for it that people have dubbed, I think it's like Beats of Rage. <laughs> of course. And they've taken and they've switched out switched out the sprites or they've taken the characters from the first game and they got it so you can actually run that on a Dreamcast because in one of those Dreamcast collections, they went and they made it so they had Streets of Rage 2 on there. It's funny because everyone talks about third game. Third game's hard to get. Third game, in my opinion, is just not as good. The, the one with the kangaroo, right? Yes. <laughs> For some reason, that's the only thing I remember about the third game, that it has a kangaroo in well, it. Because on the cover, you're like, why is there a kangaroo kicking someone with boxing gloves But why on? do you like it better than the first one? Because the first one, the specials were not confined. The first one, what it is, is you'd hit your special button, and the cop cars would roll up, and they'd shoot something, and it'd nuke the screen. Oh, that's right. Where yeah. your special in the second one was you had like a clearing special to get like everyone away yeah, from like you. Yeah, like the, the spin kick or whatever. Or the spin kick, or you had a like offensive special where whoever's directly in front of you, you would just pummel down to almost no health. So you could use that on bosses very easily. Because then you're not just like chipping away at health, but clearing away. You're sitting there being like, I'm putting all my effort into just destroying this one person. Now, did your special take health in that game? Yes. Yep. I, I I still never understood why they did that. The clearing special, because that way you don't spam your most powerful move. So make it so you can't spam it. <laughs> well, they, they figured that one out with other games. Like Yeah, definitely later. What is it? Uh, no, Turtles actually drained your health too, I think. I, I, I think the Turtles did as well. Oh, man. Well, th those were quarter eaters, though. They, they did all that stuff on purpose. Well, X-Men. X-Men gave you like two specials. X-Men Arcade gave you two specials before they went and uh, would go and force you to go and use your health yeah but i mean for my my last one i we're, dude, we're flying through these dude final fantasy i well I, there you go like i said the going from the 
2D fighting, you're like, oh, Golden Axe, fantasy. Oh, you know, that plays a, a big part in it. I, I, I do like the the fantasy worlds that that Square Enix has made through, through all the Final Fantasy games and some of their other RPGs. But when you mentioned music, the first thing I thought of was Final Fantasy because... I mean, come on. It was that CD quality sound that like, you had from Symphony of the Night because they could do full orchestra orchestral. I mean, from, from, uh, <laughs> I'm using that. That's a thing. I'm making that a thing. A stupid word. Whatever. Shut up. <laughs> so the very first time to, to, to sit and play Final Fantasy VII, I, I tried Fantasy Star on Sega and it didn't really do anything for me. They had terrible RPGs. But I was really young when I played those and it was one of those things where we'd just randomly go to Blockbuster Oh, that looks cool. I grab it. What the hell's going on? I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'd return it. And then I'd get like Labyrinth, I think was the other one I played for Sega, and that was terrible. But when I had Too a bad PlayStation... that wasn't based off that awesome David Bowie movie that everyone loves. Except me. That's such a good movie. That's You're stupid. terrible. You're puppets a terrible person. Shut up. All of They're them. Muppets. Muppets There's a and different... puppets, both stupid. I will come over there, and I will beat the shit out of you. With a Muppet? Yeah. Or, or a puppet? I will shove my hands so far. Are you far. talking about that Jeff Dunham movie you love? Uh, dude, can we talk about how terrible he, he's that a Muppet. is? He, he uses Muppets, right? No, he doesn't. He uses puppets and he's a hack. And <laughs> so he's like terrible. I was saying. <laughs> Stop getting me on hatred. I will, like, I'll have Brian edit out the sound of me just clocking you square in your jaw if I have to. So, Final Fantasy, best thing about it, no Muppets for sure. But, I mean, besides the no Muppet thing. And I, yeah, you let me guess, you love Chocobos and Moogle, Muggles. Mog. Mog? It's, it's Mog. Is it Mog? Person. He has feelings too. Mo- what do you mean Mog? There, there are Moogles. Moogles. But Mog is one of them. Oh, is okay. It- you're, you're going with a specific <laughs> one that you love. Yes, there is one and he's okay. in all the games. All right. Was- but then, you know, obviously... So is Sid. He, he- Sid's in every single game too. <laughs> yes. And uh, who's the two guys from the Turks in the seventh game? But... Who's the two dudes from the Turks in the seventh game? Uh... Dude, you're putting me on spot. I can't think yeah, of it. Yeah, what now? But Final Fantasy VII was like that first big game that gave me the feels, dude. Really? Oh, yeah. Dude, when someone dies at the end of the first disc, I mean, that was like brutal. Of all the times that you do like, don't want to give away spoilers. I, I, I love the game too much for the one random person. I, I would never want to ruin that for anybody ever. That's hilarious. Because, dude, it was... You'll sick. sit here and ruin games left no, and right. No, it's crazy. Is with that character, I used them a ton and they died the first time. I was pissed. I was so mad. And yet, with the, I mean, the beautiful music in that scene where they die, I'm like, how am I supposed to be mad when they just murdered my character? Cutscene was done really well, too. And it was. I mean, for that time, the whole game was super ambitious. And I don't know, like, the, the gambling with the minigames, the snowboard game was fun in it. Not to mention multiple discs. That was right? probably three one of the discs. first multiple disc <laughs> games. I think that was the first three disc game, too. I, it's that or what? X-Files? Because they had a couple of those ones that were very much... Uh, X-Files the, is the, like five discs, and that's a point-and-click adventure. So they, they have a lot of those uh, multi-disc, like, interactive movie games. So I, I'm not really sure if that's the first, but being three discs was kind of a selling... I think I wanted the game out of the pure. I was like, he's got a giant sword on the front, and there's three discs. That's cool. You know, that like, it, something really randomly pulled me into it. And then I'm playing this game... Like the beginning, you're you're dressing as a girl in part in the very beginning of the game. And I remember that. I'm like, all this really, it was kind of a weird game. And then once you break out of Migar, I'm like, oh, this game is so much bigger. Oh, it's like, funny because how how you start in this small thing, you have this tiny kind of main mission objective, 
And then, yeah, there's a point where the world just kind of opens and unlocks. And, and I'd just... never played any other Final Fantasy before that. See, so I... I, I didn't know about four or five or six or any of those. So I had no idea that Final Fantasy games got that big. So when they're like, oh, you can go to other places. I mean, I was, my mind you was You thought blown. you were stuck in that one city, Oh, yeah. You? I thought the whole game was Midgar. I thought I was actually near the end of the game because, I, you know, from Sega, games were so short. I'm like, oh, maybe it's three separate games. I was so naive to think that that Final Fantasy VII, they were three separate games on three separate discs. And I'm like, oh, and it's like, please insert disc two. I was like, no way. And the whole thing just, at the time, I was such a naive gamer at that time that I think that's why that that game still sits as my favorite game of all time. Also, stuff wasn't really ruined by the internet back then, too. Also very true, because like I said, the thing I didn't spoil, the reason I'm not spoiling it, because if I had known that, it would have affected my first time play. Yeah. And I, it's hard to find those experiences now. Like Nier Automata, the reason I liked that game this past year is because it surprisingly gave me surprises that I hadn't seen in a game in a long time. And I think those are becoming more and more priceless because it's hard to get those experiences now. The internet ruins things, people ruin things, and sometimes trailers ruin things. Yep. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that I bought a game because a guy had a sword on the front of it, and I, I just fell in complete love with it. It wasn't because it was a mascot or anything really crazy like that. It was simply out of curiosity. I Anytime that something is... Biggs and Wedge. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes later. Um, anytime that you can go and experience something that has cinematic qualities... That creates a world that seems much bigger than just what's contained within the cartridge or disc itself is an amazing thing. That's why I love Out of This World. And that's yeah. also on my list. I won't dive into that. A game is hard. But once again, it's things that you, with Splunky, it's that schoolyard thing. I think that if we could have more games that were kind of encompassing of a pre-information era where you get to experience it yourself... The experience is the most important thing because that's what games allow you to do. You're not passive. You're active during the experience. You are partaking in what's happening. You're making the decisions, whether it's, you know, uh, deciding to kill Big Daddy and harvest or save the little girl. It's all about the decisions that you're making and how you affect the world that you're playing in. Definitely. Those iconic moments just really, they stick with you and... For us to list those particular games, they clearly offered something to us that we haven't seen since we played those games. Because, I mean, a lot of those games are old. And think how many games have we played since those. Yeah. But for some reason, I won't forget the first time I had to do something with a little sister. Like, that that will always stick with me. And it's amazing. And I love those experiences. And I think that's actually why I still love video games even today, is because I will never forget those. It it gives you an experience that you don't get to have elsewhere. And you get to share those experiences with your friends and other people. And I don't know, like having those now, it makes me wonder, like just thinking of other people I've talked to, like a friend of the show, Manpreet, he loves Uncharted. And I hear stories from a lot of people and it's crazy to think that they bring up certain like small details in games that I've played. I don't even think like... Manfred had mentioned things about Uncharted. Oh, about this vivid atmosphere. Like he he loves the, how you travel to different worlds and things. Those were things I didn't even think about playing those games. And I love the fact that with video games, everyone has their own personal take on why they like them. 
there's something that stands out to every person in their own way. And I, I'm actually really even curious to see what some of our, our listens, listeners like, because I know that we, we're friends with some of our close listeners, but if there are, there are listeners out there that you want to share a game with us, I would like to hear, like, what's your favorite game? Why do you like that game? Like, what makes it stand out? And especially those games that other people hate. Because I, I know there's a few games, like, Bruce loves Spelunky. I'm not a big fan of it. So there, there's always going to be those games that some people love, some people hate. I'd be really curious to hear what you think is a game that you love that people give you a lot of hate on, but you you love it no matter what because it's offering something to you that you can't get anywhere else. There's no other game that's brought that experience to you. What, what interests me too is when you get people who like the same game, but for completely different reasons, right? and then you get to go back and reappreciate a game that you love on a whole nother level because someone kind of opened your eyes to it. Yep. And that's, that's always a beautiful thing, man. And man, I think that's the, that's the show, man. Yeah, I think that's our show for the week. Yeah, I, I love talking. This is a great topic for us, and I'm sure when we get to like a, a major milestone versus just the fifth episode, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 be more creative with our whatever our list is. But thanks for listening to the show. Thank you for listening to the Couch Trolls Podcast. If you like this episode, you can find more on Facebook by searching Couch Trolls or on Twitter at Couch underscore Trolls. I'm your announcer, Canada Sanchez, with Brian doing the sound. Thanks for listening. <laughs>